Establishment's Talent Talk Asia podcast is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the new breed tech platform used by 15,000 recruiters worldwide. Vincere is the secret weapon for progressive recruitment firms. It provides recruiters with everything they need to scale from CRM slash ATS through to online timesheets, websites and analytics. A true all-in-one growth platform built by recruiters for recruiters. Learn more about Vinny's story on my exclusive interview with their founder on episode 43 of this podcast. If you're looking for a new recruitment CRM to accelerate growth, visit vincere.io slash Talent Talk Asia for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast. Hi, Andrea Ross here, your host for Talent Talk Asia and founder of the training and coaching company to the recruitment industry, the career establishment and founder of the group Women in Recruitment Asia. Before we kick off this episode, I want to thank all the recruitment agencies in Asia that have signed up as company members to Women in Recruitment Asia. I believe they warrant a mention on this show. Those company members are JAC Recruitment, Robert Waters, Charterhouse, Hudson, S3, Horton International, Eames, Elwood Consulting, Grit Search, Filden, Adeco, Ambition, and Connexus Global. They've all raised their hands to do their bit to support diversity and inclusion in their business. We are really delighted to have developed a catalogue of free resources and recruitment tools that each member can access via a login. So do check those out. Now onto the pod. In an exclusive three-part series with Kirsty Poltock, Managing Director at JAC Recruitment and Company Member of Women in Recruitment Asia, we follow Kirsty in the first 90 days of her career at JAC, over three episodes. Now in this third and final episode from the three-part series, we follow her 60 to around about 90 days in her role as Managing Director of JAC Recruitment. Now we discuss the last 90 days, we get Kirsty to tackle some typical client objections and also she gives some tips on how to to keep candidates controlled throughout the entire process. So towards the end of the um, podcast, you're going to get so many tools and um, ways, techniques to handle clients and candidates. So this is one not to be missed. This is what is in store for you today. What do you say when a client, not line, not HR, says they have a TA team in place and they handle all the recruitment? So speak to them. Another fob off, isn't it? Another fob off. Right. Well, I always thank my client. Thank you so much. I would definitely contact them. Um, let me know their contact details, their I'm name, etc. I'm delighted. super excited. Mm. But I would always say, look, whilst I've got you on the phone or whilst we're meeting, um, you know, obviously the TA team will be in charge of the recruitment process. But I would like to understand a little bit more about you and your team so that if your TA team reach out to me about any opportunities, I have a very clear understanding of what you look for, um, the strengths of your business the gaps so that we can match the best candidates for your department. Enjoy the show. Hi Kirsty, welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me. How are you? Yeah, I'm very, very well. Um, I'm, I'm happy that we're actually being able to do this face to face because we normally do this over Zoom. So this is such a blessing. I'm so welcome to see people again. I know, it's a fantastic, <laughs> isn't it? So we in part one and two, we followed you for the first 60 days in your new role as MD for JAC Recruitment. And we're concluding this episode with rounding off the 60 or thereabout 90 days. So let's kick off. So how is the 2025 
vision going and your goals for the second half of the year? I'm going to touch wood, but so far it's going really well. Um, I think we've been building steadily some good momentum in terms of our revenue generation and our client development. We had a record-breaking July and our best uh, month since May 2016, but we had a much higher headcount previously at that point. So I'm really proud of what the business is doing. We've been doing a lot about hiring, and I think I'll talk to you about that later. So we've really yeah. accelerated towards the sort of headcount we need to have for 2022 to reach the 2025 vision. So lots of good things, increasing areas of specialization, um, uh, focused on hiring um, business develop- development specialists to help us go oh, forward. Right, so you decided to get someone just to do the BD as opposed to just everyone doing 360. Yeah, I mean, we will all still do 360, but we'll have a specialist to help attack bigger accounts so that we can bring those on board more quickly. Um, and so, then, Okay, so uh, how, how do you ensure then that that BD person is not just flicking over a load of roles and hasn't completely qualified them. Because I always have, I always think BD's a great idea to have someone sitting in there, but there's always the negative on it and that consultants whinge that there's jobs that they're given that aren't qualified, that they're not fillable and they get measured on that. So how, how are you kind of to sort of get over those sort of obstacles? Yeah, I think that's a good question. And this is the first time that I've actually hired a BD specialist. Right. So, you know, I think a lot of this is going to come as he joins and, and mm. grows with the business. But I'm going to give him some targeted accounts where I know that we want to generate a relationship, but we don't have that. Right. And we know that there's a volume of quality business there. This individual is coming with a lot of recruitment experience and has right. been in the industry for a number of years. So would know how to sell permanent contracting and project-based solutions and knows how to qualify. So I feel quite comfortable just in the individual I've hired in knowing that he understands the um, focus of the quality of the role and also he's targeted to make sure that we fill the roles so if he's not passing quality roles um, then he'll work closely with the consultants to understand what the issue is and that's really been we asked him to do a six to 12 month presentation about how we'd approach things and actually part of that presentation also showcased how he would work with consultants to make sure that if there were challenges he could work more closely with the client to overcome them right. and when where does he then stop in terms of his process is that just as soon as the role is picked up and passed over or what's that what's that process look like in terms of so I think role? he will always maintain a level of relationship with the client just right. in terms of service level but we will pass the job to the consultant and then let them have the contact with the line to make sure that there's a right. clear process right. but he will just have those check-ins to make sure that across the period of the recruitment right. that the client is receiving the service level yeah level that's it isn't it yeah that's it because yeah. otherwise his his reputation can Correct. deteriorate can't it if he passes over a role and they don't send any cvs that's exciting so has there been any sudden surprises that you can share you know that since the last time we spoke hasn't been sudden surprises but there's probably been a few reactions to maybe things that I've implemented or things I've assumed people were already aware about and then I've discovered you know through conversations that maybe people weren't as aware like obviously coming on board um, certain processes run in a certain way and I've just assumed everybody knows that but then there'll be a hiccup and I will have a conversation and I've realized I've had conversations based on I'm assuming everybody knows the process. But actually, there's a lot of new people in our business right. that my boss hired before I joined. Um, and so I've realized that there's been, you know, some gaps in the communication. So I've just tightened those. So it's not sudden surprises, but it's definitely left me in situations mm. where I felt like... I should have done better. I shouldn't have just assumed. I should mm. have really checked everything because it's left some of my people at times probably feeling like 
they should have known something when they didn't they didn't know yeah. need to know that and and that they weren't maybe as equipped so um you know i took that on board for myself so when you said tightening up what does that mean exactly i think you know the areas where they've been gaps in terms of processes or understanding of of how things work internally i've just done various trainings and updates with the business or i've had the people that own those processes update the business on how things work so it's all very clear and transparent i think ultimately there's nothing major but i would say there was just a little bit of miscoms yeah, going on yeah that's a i think that's probably quite a big one with people that are new to a company though right i think it's that's quite an interesting one for people to take away so we touched upon your focus for growing out non-japanese client base and i know that you just mentioned that you're hiring someone to come in and do that bd how has it come how has that um sort of diversification been i can't even talk diversification been going in the last few months you know how's that been tracking it's been going really well. I mean, obviously still a fair p- chunk of our client base is coming or our revenue stream is coming from our Japanese client base, but we've got more MNC business coming through and actually quite a lot of like project-based recruitment. So 20 to 30 roles um, with non-Japanese clients. So it's quite an exciting time, but that's why for us, hiring is so critical because we're quite lean in terms of the mm-hmm. headcount we've got to deliver. So we're all, everybody's working really hard to deliver. Um, we're also investing in sources or if you call them researchers to make sure we right. can turn our candidate pipeline around more quickly because our goal is that all shortlist should be out between 24 and 48 hours for, you know, core roles. So it's going well. We're definitely getting traction and, and, and clients are definitely open to working with us and no longer just going, oh, We'll only use you for Japanese yeah. speaking roles. Yeah, they actually are opening up other roles and it's a really exciting time. Um, and with every new client that we're building, I think we're just very conscious. We want to give that client exceptional service. We can't guarantee that we're going to fill it, but they need to receive exceptional service so they come back. What's been going on in the market to warrant those kind of 20, 30 roles sort of coming through? Is what, what's, what's happening? I think there's a still so much in the tech and tech startup area. Right. Lots in that tech digital space um there's actually a fair bit going on in fs at the moment and brought some really interesting clients on board in that space um but yeah it's the usual suspects right i know sort of hong kong you know with what's going on with sort of china and hong kong we see that i'm hearing that a lot of companies are moving their operations out of places like hong kong and bringing it into singapore because i know i know it's brought the property market up for rental with um people that are moving from Hong Kong. Have you sort of seen seen that in terms of organisations? Yeah, and I was actually having um, a conversation um, with a, a, a senior client in a tech-based firm and they were obviously looking at, they've decided to head their operations here in Singapore rather than in China. And I found it really interesting because obviously they're already paying pretty significant salaries in Singapore, but they were telling me that it's actually cheaper for them because in China they'd have to pay 20 to 30% more than what they pay in Singapore. And I already thought they were paying above market wow. rate in Singapore. So it's wow. interesting your your perception because I don't know much about the China market. Mm. But when they were talking about it, they were saying, yeah. look, this is the reason why we're coming yeah, because it still makes commercial sense for us. And also we have more demographic of candidates to look at from different backgrounds. That's um, really interesting. Which I found fascinating. Yeah, I bet Economic Development Board are having a field day, aren't they? I bet <laughs> they are. Most likely. <laughs> <laughs> I bet they've hit all their targets for this year. So just from a hiring perspective, I know, um, in the last two pods, you were pretty aggressive on your hiring plans. How have you got on with that? 
Um, I actually had to go and calculate how many hires we've made because I knew you were going to ask me this question. I'm really proud of what we've worked on in the last three months since I've come on board. We've hired 13 talented people to join us. Wow. And I'm super happy with the level of hires that we're, we've, we, with the level of talent we've hired. Um, and it's people from consultant to principal consultant. Um, we are also looking at um, potential manager levels. And we've obviously talked about this BD specialist, BD manager. Um, so yeah, I think we've been really aggressive. I mean, across this year, um, with what a deal hired earlier in the year, we've hired 25 people for the business Jeez. this year, which oh, is significant. I think, I think yesterday there was about three posts on JAC's hiring Hong Kong, <laughs> Hong Kong and Thailand. I was like, what? Yeah. We Adil are, is really busy on his posts. <laughs> yes, we, we are definitely pushing the pipeline of hiring, not just in Singapore, but across the region. And I think it's just because the story is very compelling and people are open to it. And, you know, I've worked on a huge variety of ways to source. You know, we've got our own TA function. I was going to ask you that. So you have. Yeah, we've got two people based out of Tokyo who are very knowledgeable and actually are very good at connecting with people. Um, I actually found that they they connect people really well in Singapore. So that's been good. So So they pass you the name so then you call directly or no, do they do the first they'll, point? they'll have an initial conversation but it won't be a screening it will be more just to connect on you know this is the story about JAC this is what's going on in Singapore or, or Hong mm. Kong or wherever it might be and um, they just set up the scene and if that person wants to have a conversation then typically they'll connect with me and I will have the first conversation with anybody that's interested in JAC just to give them the holistic overview of yeah. what we're trying to do um but we've also done you know i've got my own network i've done a lot of social media updates either through jac or through myself we've running a good referral scheme we've got a few people Uh, come through that have you nicked anyone from um michael page yet no (laughs) i am sticking to my covenants i am a good girl when when does that run out oh 12 months time better better put that in the diary it's fine it's fine no i mean i also think um I, I loved the people that I work with at Page, but I also made the decision when I joined JAC that I didn't want to carbon copy Page in JAC. Mm. And I think that's some a level of respect I want to have for the people that I'm now working with at JAC. And I want to build, you know, a different approach, a different culture. But for sure, in 12 months time, if some people from Page want to come over, very welcome for a conversation. And so those 13 talented people, are they yeah. from a mixture of companies? And, and, I'm, and I'm also keen to know, I think I asked you the same question last time. I want to know if that's changed. Is it the same sort of reasons why people are, are willing to talk? Yeah, so the, the mixture of companies, small boutiques, as well as some of the larger firms. Um, main reasons for people joining more recently, a lot of people wanted to transition into another um, specialism and weren't able to do that oh, internally. Oh, that's lot. interesting. And, um, you know, definitely in our on our tech and our digital and even our healthcare, we're quite open if they're a strong recruiter to just come right. over because we've got a high level of job flow so we can get them going quite quickly. Right. And those are high growth markets. So I'm finding a lot of people in more of the traditional recruitment um uh, specialisms like an accounting or an HR wanting mm. to go into tech. Mm. So um, we're open to that. Um, yeah, a few people, yeah, they, their promotions have been drawn out. And so they, they want something that's more tangible with clear targets. Um, but I think there's a few people have just joined because they're excited to be part of a transition of our brand. And so they might be working for a, an existing brand that's, that's doing well, but they're just a bit bored and they'd like the idea of going through this 
change and evolution with JAC and, and having that, you know, Japanese heritage and the Japanese client base, but then also opening this out to the MNC and SME side and they can see how they can add value and accelerate their careers if mm. they do that. Mm. How you get, I mean, with that, with that amount of people coming in, 13 and obviously existing people that that Adil had hired or existing even before Adil had come on board, how are you going to create a culture? I mean, what kind of advice can you give, one, on how you're going about building a distinct culture, but also this advice to leaders in other recruitment, you know, or emerging leaders in other recruitment firms that are looking to, you know, maybe they've just been newly promoted to a manager. Yeah. They want to create a good culture. How do you go about doing that? Well, I'm not going to lie. Working from home and being stuck at home, it does. it's difficult to create a really robust culture, right? Yeah. And I, this is why I'm so excited that we'll be able to be going back to the office in a few weeks' time, at least in some sort of capacity. But I think the first thing you need to decide is, what does your culture look like? You know, it doesn't need to be what your, you know, what your previous firm did or what your boss thinks. What is your, what is the decision about what your culture is? And, you know, that's during the workday, but also from a social perspective outside of work, what does that look like? Because, you know, I think people are looking for a nice place to come to work and somewhere they can grow and develop, but they also want to have a bit of fun along the way. And I think some of the things that people have missed with not being in the office is that connection yeah. those relationships so you know we've been doing you know during this period some virtual town halls and quizzes we've been do we've had some team-based incentives we've got an office-based target for the quarter which we do that hopefully in q4 we can all meet up and celebrate together i think i talked to you about that last time we're going to go on a boat yeah a nice. big boat nice. um at end of month, I get different individuals to talk about their successes um, and what's worked for them that month, just so different people can understand what's going on in different teams, because normally they wouldn't have any ability to walk over the office and talk to those people. Um, I make sure that all our new starters at end of month presentations, when we kind of introduce them, they get to talk about themselves and introduce themselves to the business. Um, but I guess moving forward, there's things that I'm that are on my agenda in terms of you know, um, we are currently looking at our lease uh, for our uh, office and it's up for renewal um, in the spring next year. And I'm looking at whether we relocate and, and or renovate and create a bit more of a dynamic modern office because yeah. our, our office is a little bit older and, and get a rid little of bit those, tired. Get rid of those plaques on your... <laughs> I went there years ago. I don't know if it's changed, but... I don't think it's changed. Oh, those plaques on the doors. Oh. It's it's just a very traditional office, yeah, it's and very, I think um, you it's know, not really you, is it? It's got to you know, it's, it's got to be. It's, it's, it's not be modernized. Yeah, yeah, which is fine. And I think what's good is you know people know we want to modernize, so that's an exciting project for next year. Yeah, definitely. Um, but then that what that comes with is looking at our flexible working once we're kind yeah. of in this new new kind of normal without the Definitely. restrictions what does that look like do we want to do hot desk office you know well, what capacity we want to work to will people work from home what level yeah. will they work to so those are all mm. things that I'm currently working through but and also then, also also space for when people collaborate right where there's I always felt when when we put a pantry in a pantry I say a pantry it's really like a cafe kitchen style of waters that was groundbreaking, actually, because it just meant that people could sit with each other. They'd, they'd make sure that they all sat and had lunch at the same time. And, and it was it was amazing. That really created collaboration and everything. I mean, you have to have space. Like, I, 
we, we like, will like, definitely have right? space. It's, we will have space no matter what because I truly believe in that. And it's mm. funny, I was talking to my boss a deal the other day about it. And I was like, you can't underestimate how important a pantry is. Honestly, you really know, it's is. really important. People yeah. want to tap out their lunch, come back, yeah. chat, relax. And, and they want something that's relaxing and they can just go and sit there and or have a coffee with somebody. And I mean, I want to create a space where people want to come to the office yeah. and yeah. feel that it's somewhere that is cre- is creative, somewhere that they want to bring their candidates and clients to but also you know if they've got the flexibility to come to the office or not that they actually do want to come yeah and 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 that's not just about the office it's all about the culture that we build and Mm. you know maybe what we do on a Friday afternoon how do we wrap up each Friday those are all pretty exciting things that when we're back in the office properly I can start to work on and then I guess what I'm looking at in Q4 is I'm looking at building a few different committees for the office, um, a CSR committee, a DNI committee and a social committee, just because there's lots of people in our business who've got lots and lots of ideas, mm. but we don't really have forums yet for them to kind right. of, um, you know, idea. kind of imp- impart them into the business. And obviously, you know, I'm really, really um, uh, committed to DNI, but I'd love other people to drive this in the business and, yeah. and take ownership for it. And, yeah, and, that would be awesome. You know, actually. so, yeah have things that we give back and really focus on that mean something yeah and I also it's interesting you said you said that you know want others to champion the DNI and I know JAC are we're members and and it'd be great to have some of the guys champion that right I mean the women in recruitment Asia is a group to support female recruiters but it's also it's for the guys as well and so if you came to me and said we've got someone in the business that's a guy that really really is passionate about making sure that it's a diverse workforce I would I'd love to I'd love to be in collaboration with people like that right it's just you know it's, it's so really it's interesting you said the CSR DNI social committee just out of interest where does the mental well-being where does the well-being come in talk, talk me through if that's something that's kind of you've not really thought thought about yet or how does that because it come under one of those pillars or because it's, it's starting to become increasingly more important now yeah, it's. I hadn't really put it under a pillar because I thought that's probably something that I have to take ownership for. And mm. and so some of the things I'm looking at in terms of, you know, flexibility, some of changes to some of our benefits and and just the support we offer our individuals is something that I'm personally looking at because I absolutely agree. It's such an important issue. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think we talk enough about it, mm. but I haven't formulated a proper plan yet, but that's going to sit with me. I think it's really important that I take everybody's well-being. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot, I think it's a topic that you, you have to, I mean, even I'm still learning about, I mean, I understand in terms of what kind of what you want to create an organization, but what are the little things you can do to make a big difference to people? It's like just having those strategies. Um, okay. Well, watch that space then. Um yeah, my question on kind of that, that going back on that culture side, how are you helping to break out of bad habits with staff? You know, because you take you're inheriting you're inheriting individuals that may well, you know, not necessarily uh, maliciously have taken on certain behaviours or certain processes that just that aren't efficient, that aren't necessarily going to create high performance. How are you trying to address that? How have you addressed that? Yeah. Um, well, I, I guess you know, uh, there's a lot of coaching and, um, training going on and in terms of 
different approaches to recruitment processes and, and, and some of some not bad habits, but maybe some of the detail that we've lacked is on, on the candidate contr- control side right, and yeah. really digging into the motivation. So, you know, we'll, yeah. we've had some issues, you know, probably pretty consistently since I joined where we get to offer stage and, and actually we have more turn downs than I would like at this point. And I know right. it's a difficult market right now. Everyone's and, facing that You know, that everybody's right facing that, but... <laughs> I can see, you know, we've seen that mm. there is a trend. So we're working on, you know, training people and understanding what the benefits are and also getting the managers involved so that they can work with their people yeah. to show the benefit of a different approach. Because yeah. it's not just about telling, it's about getting other people involved and helping somebody to see that yeah. this might be the better yeah. route. Yeah. And it, it's not it's not anybody's fault. They haven't had necessarily somebody digging into that detail. Yeah, of and course. But also I think the market wasn't like that. It's only, there's so much emphasis now on Singapore, you know, especially in Singapore, you know, local talent. Yeah. And so they have the, you know, they can choose any role that they want right now. So they are going to be pickier. So the control element is so, so important. Yeah. yeah. And then I guess the other side is, you know, just the adaption of, you know, if you're more used to dealing with a Japanese client, then, you know, if you're dealing with an SME or an MNC client, you know, how do you change your approach? Because you so can probably true. be a bit more assertive yeah, with um, that, that client base than a Japanese. And you've got to be careful because more yeah, consultative. Yeah, mm. it, um, you've got to find that that balance. But first, it's about empowering people to have the confidence to try to be more consultative and, and have that sort of more slightly more assertive um conversation with the client um but we've doing a lot, a lot of training and i'm seeing a lot of progress there so. yeah i think that's a re- i think that's a really in- interesting topic but it, it's you're not alone i think everyone is facing that challenge but it all comes down to basics doesn't it the yeah. basics of rec- recruitment let's just put a lot more emphasis on that um, i want to talk about the career pathways because i think that's another thing that's really popular in the well particularly the singapore market right now with recruitment firms where they're bringing in a lot of new people some of those might be at junior levels how are they enticing them to come on board how are they painting a picture of that pathway yeah so what's what's in place in regards to your career pathways and what does that look like now yeah so before I joined uh, across the group we actually have like a career pathway diagram with how you can join from an AC level to a senior manager and beyond Mm. um, with all the stepping stones and and it showed a a very clear career pathway and also kind of the earning potential each level etc which was really good. Oh that's good the Um, earning potential that's good because I don't always see the earning potential because some people don't like to put that specifically put that in place so that's kind of interesting. I mean it's obviously like bandings right but yeah yeah, yeah. I mean it gives somebody the sense of like you know, where am I going? I guess the flip side of that is what I found when I joined is there wasn't a clear consensus or understanding of how you got promoted to each level and what you needed to do. And so what I've been working on, and I think we're just about to approve it, is sort of for each level to be considered for promotion. What does that look like? And obviously for more junior levels, it's mainly revenue focused and and, and client focused, uh, client development focused. And then when you start to go towards the leadership side, it's it's got mentorship, it's got behaviours, um, it's got, you know, trying to manage certain parts of the P&L. Um, just giving very clear goals so that when we set yeah. people targets and objectives, that if you were in, I don't know, the healthcare team and then you spoke to somebody in the IT team, you could look at your targets and yeah. see that they have the same formulation yeah, of very transparent. Uh, makeup. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, different markets will have different levels of revenue, but the reality is that how people should be judged is the same. So, has that just out of interest? Has that been has that been a challenge putting together knowing 
perhaps when you're interviewing people from other recruitment firms that there might be a mismatch with what a AC or a principal is compared to how what you would expect in your business? Has there been any mismatches at all? Um, as in it? as in somebody's been interested in JAC? No. So you're doing a career pathway from yep. AC all the way up to leadership, you know, certain behaviours and, um, um, you know, tangible goals for each level mm -hmm. have you found that someone that you've interviewed in another recruitment firm wants to you know wants to has looked at that and gone okay well I'm a principal consultant now um I don't need to do any of that in my company so what you're asking me to do is more is there, is there been a mismatch with what you're expecting of that certain level of a person for instance um I guess there hasn't been a mismatch where they've gone well you're expecting a lot more yeah. I think there's been some scenarios where I've met people and I've said look in our business for what I expect you haven't had exposure to this and this and this so if we proceed I would offer you this right and I'd be give a you consultant a not a principal yeah. right, and I, I'm right. quite comfortable to have that conversation as yeah. long as I can justify it and yeah. actually I haven't had negative responses in fact some of those people have actually onboarded with us right. um because they've seen, and, and I've obviously got a commitment of saying to them, look, you know, we will accelerate you towards that, but we need to, we need to close this gap because yeah. I, I also don't want to be unfair to people that are in my business that I already have that expectation yeah, exactly. and offer them, you know, something. And then the person isn't able to deliver to that standard. Yeah, because you don't want to compromise that. That's why I was just thinking about, you know, whether it was different. With that career pathway, is that going to be a transparent document that you'll have on the website that people can see quite openly? Or is it sort of more a, a confidential thing no I plan on having it very transparent I hadn't thought yet about putting it on our like um external website but it can definitely be on our intranet hmm. okay. our, our external website is a whole other beast that needs a bit of work <laughs> <laughs> as as most are I know most, most yeah. companies money goes into the damn website yeah. um okay let's talk about work-life balance um and I'm definitely not going to ask any questions about children or anything like that. Because there's one thing I always hated was getting asked, how are you juggling being a mum and being a leader? I just think it's so awful. So I'm, I'm hoping I haven't put that down as those kind of questions. Um, I don't think I'm alone here in that high proportion of crews in the region are pretty burnt out right now. I mean, yeah. they're, they're tired. They're, they're trying to have little staycations for a few days. doesn't have a huge amount of effect on, on, on how they feel. It's not long enough. How have you been coping with, you know, your, your life, you know, in terms of, um, you know, doing a full-time career and also your own personal life? How have you been kind of balancing all of that? Coaching provides the space for professionals to take time to hit the pause button reassess, make decisions, commit to new action and move forward with clarity. To enjoy a 10% discount on our coaching programmes, reach out and quote the word talent. The Career Establishment's Talent Talk Asia podcast is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the new breed tech platform used by 15,000 recruiters worldwide. Vincere is the secret weapon for progressive recruitment firms. It provides recruiters with everything they need to scale from CRM slash ATS through to online timesheets, websites and analytics. A true all-in-one growth platform built by recruiters for recruiters. Learn more about Vinny's story on my exclusive interview with their founder on episode 43 of this podcast. If you're looking for a new recruitment CRM to accelerate growth, visit vincere.io slash Talent Talk Asia for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It's definitely been challenging and there hasn't been a lot of downtime. And I feel like when you work from home all the time, um, 
it's just the day, the work day just never really ends. It starts and it just goes on. Yeah. And then, you know, you might dip away. And for me, it might be like have lunch with my kids or put my kids to bed. But then it's like, okay, somebody's calling. Yep, I can take that call. So there's no distinction. You know, I find it difficult to distinguish between work and personal sometimes because, mm. you know, I'm always on. And obviously I'm I'm in my first few months for my job. I want to prove that I'm the right hire and that I've, I'm invested and, available. and, and I'm mm. available, right? So I think for me, there have been moments where I've been a little bit overwhelmed and I'm really lucky that I've got a very supportive husband and a great helper that kind of help run the household. Yeah. But I suppose what I've been trying to do is, you know, I spoke about this last time, try and get a workout in every day, ideally in the morning, just to clear my head. Mm. Um, I also, you know, I've got a work and a personal phone. So I try and leave my work phone somewhere else in the evening a oh, little that's bit. That's a great so. idea. I think that's a great idea. I mean, is that something that you encourage in the business? With like managers, for instance. Yeah, I don't contact my managers later in the night. I just don't, don't. don't. I mean, they might contact me sometimes. God, I was a nightmare but, for um, I've got to put my hand up but to that. I, um, I don't, just because, I just feel like at the moment it's just, it, it's just very invasive. And yeah. I mean, obviously if there's an emergency, fine. Everybody can contact everybody. But yeah. the reality is there can't be that many emergencies. And I find, you know, in my previous firm, I had everything on one phone. So personal and work together. Yeah. But I was always on, like always on, just never unavailable. And I, yeah. I need to make myself unavailable at certain points just for my own sanity. Um, but for example, like this week, I took a day off with my husband and we just had a day uh, not working and not being parents. And it was bliss. We went to oh, the cinema, we had massages and, you know, sometimes you just need, and it doesn't need mm. to be like this long week off. You can just have a day that resets you. And it, it yeah. really refreshed me. And yes, when I got back, there was lots to do, but I felt positive and refreshed and just, yeah. I felt like mentally I was more, um, you know, in tune. But I spoke recently to, I've got an external mentor and he's got nothing to do with recruitment. And mm. I was talking about, you know, sometimes when I feel really overwhelmed, I get to that point where I'm like, I don't know what to do. And it's almost where I almost need to have a little cry just to yeah. get it out. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then I'll move on. Yeah. I um, find Netflix <laughs> is the best recipe for that, really, to be honest. <laughs> you can just watch some dodgy um, movie and then you can get it all out. But I think you should be, I, I think those are just some of the things that you can do, though, just to kind of like, whether it's exercise or having a good you know a good weep just to get it out there sometimes it can get quite overwhelming how you find it I mean I'm noticing with some of the weirder events especially the weirder drop-ins where people can come and pose their questions and their challenges yeah a lot of those questions coming up are about mental health about yeah. kind of you know had a bad quarter how do I how do I remain positive how can I kind of get back on track you know, you said about the exercise, you said taking some time off. You know, what what other things can people be doing? Like just little small things, not massive things, that can can kind of make make a difference to keep them vitalized for the next sort of busy quarter. Um, I mean, I I always think like when you feel overwhelmed and like everything's intense and then you obviously feel quite negative. It's always negative, right? It's not positive. Yeah. Yeah. You're always looking at everything that didn't work well for you. Mm. I think sometimes you need to get out that initial kind of panic feeling of whatever that yeah. is. And then I, flight, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. I, I'm like a planner. So I like to sit down and work through like, okay, what's going really well? Okay going to keep doing that what are the things that I'm not happy about Mm. okay what of those can I actually control Mm. and how do I control them and that might be from the personal side is there like a family member or you know a partner that can help or or, you know or can you delegate that off to somebody else and also from like a business perspective you know can you have a conversation with your boss about you know you're struggling with these things and you've picked this as the one thing you really want to focus on that you think is going to help you um to, to 
wanted to move forward and get their observations and support. But I think sometimes it's also like my brother-in-law, he gave me this like diary, which is like kind of a five minute diary of like appreciation, like what are you thankful for each day mm. and what, what, what went well and what do you think you need to improve on? And um, I write in that every day. And I think it's really interesting because I never used to think about what I appreciated every day mm. or, you know, what I was, what I did well or what I wanted to work on. And just by having that kind of reset every night just really You're helps me be like, aren't you? okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. That's good. But it's fast. You know, yeah. I, I can't spend hours thinking about it. Yeah. That's too much but for that, me. But that works for you. And I think if, if that works for other people, go for it. Yeah. I think, I think it's interesting with the control thing, you know, some things you are going to be able to control, but also just listing them down. What is it that I can control? What can I change? But also I think that delegation piece, you know, are there people in the business that it's a great learning opportunity for them to take on that? You know, it's not, I think sometimes um, leaders can feel that delegating something else, something out is a failure on their side that they weren't able to do it, but it isn't. It's an absolutely fantastic growth opportunity for another member of staff, right? 100%. So if you can look at that and, and say, well, actually, do I need to be part of that? Can I still oversee it and, you know, create some milestones for them so they can make sure that they achieve it? But this is a great opportunity for someone. You know, yeah. that, that's where just that, that overwhelming can kind of get reduced. Um, tips for recruiters. I wanted to do something a bit different today. Okay. I wanted to get into some real kind of um, tips for recruiters so, when, so that when they listen to this, they can put them into action straight away. So one area that seems to be a real challenge, which we, we obviously touched upon today already, is qualifying a candidate and getting under the bonnet of them so that, you know, with companies um, buying top talent back, you know, there's obviously a lot of counter offers that are going on and whether they can prevent them or save them, I think it's really good to sort of know how to do that so that they can obviously make sure they keep, you know, making placements. So what do you advise your team as the top five questions to really identify if a candidate is motivated to move? You're smiling. People can't see this, but, but, but Kirsty's got a massive grin on her face. This is because I was sitting, I was sitting up last night talking to my husband, who's also in recruitment. I was like, Top five questions. Josh, Josh, um, what's the answer? Uh, because I thought mine were quite boring, but I mean, I think they do encompass, so we'll go with it and go see for what it. you think. So obviously I'm assuming you've already asked somebody like, why are you moving? What do you want? Yeah, blah, and the blah, typical blah. response in Singapore is, I'm looking for a challenge. Oh my dear yeah. God. How many times have I heard that question, that answer? Sorry, carry on. Okay, so I, I would ask things like, in making your desired move, can you explain how you would judge or evaluate that that move's been successful? Like I'd want to understand what they're trying to get out of the move. Can you say it again? Because I didn't have time to write oh. it down. In making your desired move, can you explain to me how you would judge or measure that that has been a successful move? Love it. So I just want to see, yeah, why why they're going I want them to have thought a little bit more about what they're going to gain from that and and hopefully it's not just monetary it might be growth or development or whatever that might be um I always think that the top three things that are, uh, that you're focused on to move or why you're moving is really important because if they do keep talking about money that's a problem and I know that's a, a real basic but you can't get away from that one um I would always want them to have had a conversation with their manager about either challenges they're facing, development plans or potential internal opportunities? Like have they had any conversation internally? Because we just don't want to counter off a scenario if we can avoid it. And well, I think it's interesting when you're saying, saying that with the whole, have you had 
any development plans. But I think we all know that being a recruiter in Asia, that question on its own isn't enough. We have to go back to it and back to it and back to it and back to it constantly throughout the process, but also ask it in a different way in yeah. the first time because candidates will always go, well, you know, I'm not, this sounds really awful to say, but you just can't trust them on first face value, first of all. Yeah, 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 yeah of course I've had a chat. Okay, so talk me through what that looked like. Yeah. How recent was that, you know, to like get in more yeah, detail get- on it? Because I think some new recruiters especially grads that might be listening to this that newly entered recruitment think that question alone is enough because they trust that other person right they trust that what they're hearing is correct where more often than not they had a conversation with their boss six months ago and the boss has left and it's someone else now I mean, you just do not know that information right no I so agree. not to be idealistic to actually just kind of go in and don't trust anyone and then at least you can Sorry, carry on. No, no, that's good. I think that's, I mean, it's all the detail around it. So yeah. you've got to probe with all of these questions. Um, I like to ask, you know, what does your family or partner think about you making a oh, career yeah. move? I love that one. I love that one. Yeah. I had a, can- I had a candidate that um, didn't take my offer with um, HSBC because God told her that it wasn't a good idea to move. I, 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 you know, if it was a mum or a dad that was saying I couldn't move, I couldn't do anything with that. I couldn't argue that. I couldn't, you know, yeah. what could I do? I just had to sort of say, well, okay then. <laughs> do you have anyone you could refer to me? Because I, I, couldn't, I couldn't argue against God. I mean, it was no. just like, oh my God. I think it's oh interesting. Um, there's a, a recruiter that I've known for a number of years um, in exec search. And every time that she closes a candidate, she will take them out with their partner for dinner. Wow. And they will close over the dinner because she knows that it is the partner that makes the decision with them. It is. And it is. It's interesting. If, if it's that kind of relationship. I, th- I think you agree. But also the youngsters will also just check in with mum and dad. Absolutely. Right. And I know in certain parts of Asia, like Japan, for instance, if it's not a great brand, well, you're, you're working for JC, right? You're going to be way, way more aware of all those things in that. If that you know the brand name of the organisation that they're working for, right? They will talk to parents, and they're not necessarily going to join someone that hasn't got that. Uh, was that number four? Yes, I have two others. Oh wow, you give um, me, me six nuggets, oh, nuggets of wisdom here, people. Um, well, they might not all be good. People might be listening, going, "God, she really doesn't know what she's talking about." Um, I, th- I like this one. If you weren't in the role you're currently doing, what would you be doing, and why? I think like, and, and, and thinking a little bit out the box, like really going, right, talk to me. Yep. Or what would you, what team would you pick internally in your current company? And then obviously you, you still need to ask, you know, which is follow on to the, the question about the manager. You know, when you come to resign, what's your manager going to do? What are they going to say? And just probing into that question to understand and make them think, because I think most of the time they haven't even thought that their manager will do anything. Yeah. And at least then, if nothing else, you've already put the nuggets in their mind about buyback and yeah. why that will happen. Yeah. Is that the top 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 six? Yeah. Sorry. That's amazing. Sorry Thank that's you. Not good <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. And if anyone wants to know any more of those, you just have to contact me because I have a whole list of qualifying questions in my in my learning course. I would add. I'm going to add a couple in there actually, okay, good which stuff. which is your ones are exactly the kind of ones that I would ask. Maybe a different terminology, but because I think we're all different on how we approach it. And that's one piece of advice to anyone that's new into recruitment is you you use your own language because it will sound more authentic, right? Me and Kirsty are English. We have a different way of speaking and and, and it, will, it will be very different than maybe if it was for yourself. Um, I would probably say, is there anything preventing you from taking up an offer, you know, through me in the next couple of months? 
because you want to know what those potential obstacles are, right? It might be they're getting married. You know, for some people in Asia, that especially for the ladies, if they're getting married and it's an, an Indian Singaporean or, you know, something that, 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 that wedding is way different than an English wedding that just, you, you know, there's a lot more preparation. They can take six months to a year off. Like, you know, all those things can make a massive difference. You might also find someone's trying for a baby. And so, you know, that is going to be an obstacle. So they may not share that initially, but at least kind of having those conversations. So we'll be kind of asking about the obstacles. Um, I can't remember. I like that one. Yeah. I really like that one. Um, I've actually just wrote a list of them this morning and I can't remember all of them now. Um, but if anyone wants to know all of them, reach out to me. I have some more to give you. Um, but also we've got, yeah, but thank you so much. That was really awesome. I think that's really important to know that. Right. We're going to do a rapid fire round. Okay. We're doing something a little bit different on this round and we're going to get nervous. you to tackle some. Well, they're never fast though, are they, with me? <laughs> I mean, it's like every okay. time it's like rapid fire round, but it's not really rapid. Um we're going to get you to tackle some typical client objections, woohoo! Yay. As this will really impact our listeners. So, how do you respond to a client that says, um, "I have a PS- PSL in place, preferred supplied list for those uh, new to recruitment, um, and not reviewing for a year"? Okay, I love this one. So, I would always, obviously, um, you know, acknowledge the PSL. So, I'd be like, "It's great to hear you've got a PSL in place. I appreciate you not reviewing it for a year." However, I'd just like to understand a little bit more about the PSL so that in future I understand what you're looking for. And I would, you know, ask about things that they like about the agencies on their PSL or what works well for them with the PSL. And then I would focus on where the PSL struggles, any particular job profiles that they struggle with and what the backup is to the PSL, right? Mm. And so then I would be looking at trying to demonstrate where we could support as a backup. Um, So because there's always a backup, right? You've got a PSL in place, but you know, in the last two weeks, I brought on three new clients. We're not on the PSL. Their PSL is struggling and they're willing to work with us because we've got a niche uh, opportunity to support them. So PSL does not mean you can never work with that client for a year. It just means you need to find the angle. It's also usually a fob off. It's usually a fob off objection just to get you off the phone the majority of the time. Exactly. So, um, you know, I would, I would try and find that niche. Um, and look, you know, potentially there'll be a job you can support on. And obviously if you get that job, you really want to put the extra service in to make sure you really wow them. But if they're really not open, then you prepare a follow-up plan and make sure that you catch up with their client quarterly. Make sure that you've got in your diary a couple months before that PSL is up for renewal. Yes, yeah, so asking there. the question, when is it up for renewal? 100%. Yeah, and yeah. who's involved and yeah. how do you get on the list to be yeah. in the tender process? Because yeah. um, it, so, it might be that the person that's responsible for the PSL is a global head that sits in Amsterdam. Exactly. And you've got an office in Amsterdam and you need to make sure that, that your internal colleagues help that initiative. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just don't give up. PSLs, actually, you know, there are ways around them or you'll get on the PSL eventually. So I think if we're, if uh, I'm putting my trainer hat on now, everybody, everyone listening. So in terms of that response, we had um, acknowledge it. It's really important to acknowledge the objection. Don't kind of get nervous and kind of launch into an attack mode because every client is going to object to you. Get used to it. It's just what's going to happen. Don't take offense with it. So acknowledge, oh, right. Okay. you got PSL. Then there was the empathy side. Um, and then it was open the open question. Got to ask an open question because we, for, for the fact that it's just a PSL, it's not enough for us. It's not enough for us to discover whether um, it's working for them or not. So we have to ask an, an, an open-ended if we can. Um, don't apologize when you get an objection. Don't say, oh, you know, I'm really sorry to disturb you. I know you're probably busy. No, never apologize for 
for the fact that the job you do, you have a valuable job. Um, their job is as important as yours. So just make sure you value value that when you deal with an objection and, and don't come across as overly objetic, object, ob, apologetic or just show weakness, I think. Um, okay, next one. See, told you it wasn't fast. Uh, what do you say when a client, not line, not HR, says they have a TA team in place and they handle all the recruitment? So speak to them. Another fob off, isn't it? Another fob off. Right. Well, I always thank my client. Thank you so much. I would definitely contact them. Um, let me know their <laughs> contact details, their I'm name, etc. I'm delighted. super excited. Mm. But I would always say, look, whilst I've got you on the phone or whilst we're meeting, um, you know, obviously the TA team will be in charge of the recruitment process. But I would like to understand a little bit more about you and your team so that if your TA team reach out to me about any opportunities, I have a very clear understanding of what you look for, um, the strengths of your business the gaps so that we can match the best candidates for your department so let's say I'm the line and I say but I don't have time you can just deal with TA they know me they can tell you the team yeah okay well I mean look if they're really adamant that they don't have time at all then you know I would always try to find another time that they would I mean most companies most lines will talk to you about themselves if you ask them about themselves (laughs) so maybe they're genuinely like I feel sometimes people don't ask you know, don't react like somebody is really busy. And unfortunately, most lines do pick up the phone when they shouldn't do. And actually, you sometimes just need to book another time. Yeah. But if they really like, look, you can just deal with TA, I will normally highlight, look, um, you know, I work with all my other clients on the TA basis, but I generally have contact with lines. So I have a better understanding of the business. I can sell the team. I can sell the department. It's a candidate competitive market. Um, I will need to be able to explain, you know, you, your business and why it's relevant to support you and work for you, which are things that the TA team cannot answer to me uh, because they don't work in your department. So yeah. by giving me five, 10 minutes of your time now, it will save time in the long term yeah. because I really want to do a great job for you. I mean, it's just yeah. more pushing back and, and yeah. telling them why a candidate would then be attracted and yeah. it's going to add value to them. Yeah, and I also th- thank you. And I also think that clients respect the fact that you haven't given up so easily. Yeah. I have a lot of respect for anyone that calls me and just doesn't give up if they're really respectful. And I just think, I always just say, hey, well done, by the way. You really pushed that. It's good on you. And they're like, oh, oh, oh okay, thanks. <laughs> but I think you've got to kind of appreciate that. I, I'd add another, I'd add something on top of that as well. I, you're, I think your wording was, you know, I can do a really good job on that. I would... I would add on to that as I'm more successful at finding talent and at getting people over the line if I know you and your business. Because I think they just have to understand that it isn't just the services. We are way more successful at giving you talent if you can provide us those details. Mm. And sort of, and, and again, you can storytell with that, right? You know, we, 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 on the Weira website, which if you're a Weira member, you have access to a great little video called the Feel Felt Found Technique. And that's really great storytelling where you can just say, look, what I find, and I always use this kind of tone with clients when I used to do BD, was look, what I find that the majority of placements that I've made in the last month have been ones where, we have met line the ones that we that, that are roles that just go on for ages and they and they just never get filled are the ones where a line have not really had the time to meet us it's i mean would you go for a job where you didn't know the line manager and you could only deal with ta and only had information from the ta team does you know we all know that making a, a decision to move jobs is really big right it's a big it's an important thing 100%. so you don't move just because hr have given you something not no disrespect to hr and not knowing the business but you want to know who you're going to be who's going to be developing your career right so i think it's quite important to kind of um, be aware of that. Okay. This, this is why Andrea is the trainer, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit of a training podcast <laughs> today, it, isn't I it? I love it. It's a bit of a training podcast. I'm learning. Only because there's so much um, 
I think it's a real tricky time for recruiters right now with the candidate side, especially in Singapore. Yeah. So I think it's important that we go over that. No, okay, last one. <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot. How do you respond to a client that responds on email to say, it's not a good time right now. Send me an email with your details or better still, send me a brochure. Oh my God, who uses brochures? Does anyone actually still no, ask I, for brochures? I mean, if they really want to fob you off. I, I, I read this last <laughs> night and I was like, do you mean email or call? Do you mean they get on a call and they say... You're on a phone call to right, them. Okay. And they say, I'm really, really busy. Yeah, send yeah, me an yeah. email. Yeah, okay. I mean, I would always just ask for a better time to speak to them. Like, I, I'm not going to give up that easily. I'm going to explain, look, I want to talk to you about partnership and recruitment. A brochure is not going to sell what the personalized approach that we can have. When is a better time for me to speak to you? And I will find a diary slot to speak to that person and I will yeah. call back. Most of the time, they're just super busy. They're fobbing you off. If you bother, if you do send that email, it's do not. lost. No, I'd say it's just don't lost. send the email. Well, yeah, obviously. Never. D don't send the email. It's lost. Just say, look, I, I'm happy to send you an email after we've spoken, but I first need to understand what's relevant to you. So let me find another time in diary. But yeah, just make absolutely. sure that when you when you put that in your diary, you actually call back at that time because I know so many yeah. people that'll be like, oh yeah, they told me to call back at 11.30 and 11.30's gone and they don't bother to call them. I'm like, you lost your, sh your shot. Yeah. And it's, you know, obviously... They're testing you as well, aren't they? Of course. They probably do have time to talk to you. They just, yeah. you know... Yeah, they picked up the phone, you right? a hard time. They picked up the phone. But no. yeah, I think all of this is just about persistence. Don't give up on that first time, like... Um, I, I'm sure Andrea has a better training analogy, but when I was when I was learning about recruitment, I was always told try three times, you get three no's back off because psychologically you're going to annoy the client at that point. <laughs> I like that. But, I've never back, heard of but that. always try three times to get to where you want to get to, and then I like back that. Away I really like that. I really like that. Can I, oh, take, I didn't know can that I take, Can I take that one? No. <laughs> um, that's a uh, Kirsty Poltock JAC incorporated <laughs> one. Oh Jesus! I think I laugh really loud. Then it's gonna everyone's gonna have to take their ear, earbuds out. Um, I on the brochure side or the email, just say that you don't you don't have a brochure. You just don't have one. You see, you know, they're always gonna try and fob you off. That if you're really cheeky and you're 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 got the same sort of personality as me, and and have got nothing to lose, sometimes it's quite good just to say, you know what. What difference is it going to really make me sending you an email about what I do? Like, you know, what's you know, what difference is it going to make? Um, That's ballsy. Right? That is a ballsy one, right? <laughs> I probably, I probably only do that with an expat client. I, I can't. <laughs> to I be can't, fair, I can't imagine if you're a a, a newer recruiter no, to the market recruiter. that you're going to be confident enough to do no, that. No, but I think some sometimes along the way you do have to change your tact and you have to sort of go for it and and sometimes just having the balls to be able to say, look, I can send an email. I can have my details on it. You can see it from my LinkedIn, but I, I know that you're a busy person and to sort of review my whole bio is not really going to make a huge amount of difference to um, us being able to help you. You know, it's really important that we get a time in the diary that, that we can build a relationship. I operate in your market. I've been in it for the last few months if I'm a new recruiter, but as a business, we've been in it for 20 years. So it is important at some point that we have a face-to-face -face discussion. I'd really like to pin you down to a meeting next week. What does Friday at three look like? And I think it is about being quite intentional with a date and a time and your tone of voice and authoritative and not giggling and not showing weakness. Because again, like we said before, you value your job. You're representing candidates. That is, it's a bloody hard job recruitment. Mm. So value it and make sure that your clients understand the importance of it as well. And I think it's just that 
Yeah. yeah. So not coming across as arrogant, but okay. So we've got God recruiters. You just had a massive training session podcast today. <laughs> Let us know how you get on with these. It'd be great yeah. to hear some feedback. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, thank you. You could just be my co-host. <laughs> just be my co-host to talent to occasion from now on. It's brilliant. It's, like, it's the Kirsty and Andrea show. It's fantastic. Right. I want to thank you so much for being on the show for the fourth time. <laughs> Thank you so much for having us. And, 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 and obviously, like, thanks for all the support. And hopefully um, everybody has learned or enjoyed my candidness on the journey. Um, yeah. Do watch out for us. More things to come from JAC. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I think it does take a lot of balls to talk about your journey and your vulnerabilities and where you're going and the successes and things that haven't gone so well. And I appreciate you sharing that. Um, please do give us feedback on if you've tried out any of those tips. That would be so much fun. If you're a We Remember, post it on the link. We're a group. We'd love to share that kind of knowledge going around. That'd be awesome. Um, if you'd like to get in contact with Kirsty from JAC Recruitment, then please check out the notes on this episode where her contact details will be found and details of anyone mentioned on the show. If you know someone in the recruitment industry, then please share the link on WhatsApp and get them following our podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Career Establishment, team building, leadership development, coaching, e-learning, HR consultancy, and founder of... Um, founder of Weira. If you're looking to get your team to high performance and get your own Wendy from Billions, then please reach out to uh, me at www.thecareerestablishment.com. Thanks for tuning in. Take care. Thanks. Bye. You have been listening to Talent Talk Asia podcast by The Career Establishment. To learn more about The Career Establishment, our people and our latest thinking, visit us at www.thecareerestablishment.com or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook.